Hi everybody, welcome back to the I'll Try That podcast. This week, we're tasting San Miguel and forget what you knew about where it comes from. I know there's some expectations in there, we're going to find out a little bit more later on. But first, Christopher, hot topic time. Well, I dare say, thank you, Matthew. Um, <laughs> um, so, uh, You're welcome, Squire. And I'm, I hope Joseph is okay as well. So, <laughs> so only when he's been in trouble. So me being and living and trying to associate myself with Australia as much as possible, there's a, a company called the Independent Brewers Association that I think do oh, something the IDA. really... Yeah, I think do something really cool for the independent brewers. They basically say you can put on your can as a sellable product, anything you sell, a independence logo to basically say we are truly independent. The idea behind this is that I'm not sure if you're aware, but in Australia, there's a huge craft beer push. There's tons of craft beer here and it's kind of started in Victoria and New South Wales quite a lot. The Independent Brewers Association said, to be fair, a lot of big companies now sell their beer as craft beer. So saying being craft used to be linked with independence, but it's not the case anymore because a lot of these breweries have actually been taken over by the big company sort of thing. So they wanted to acknowledge uh, these smaller companies. They were independent and still selling independently. Now, you're going to ask me, how do they say that they're independent? So I would, I would like to ask Joe and Barb's how much of the percentage of the company has to be owned by an other company? Well, I, I'd say to be independent, surely the founders still own the business. And to have a majority sharehold in a, your own company, it's 51% is the bare minimum. So I, I'd just say you need to own 51% of a business and then you're still classed as independent. Barbara, what do you think? So I was, was going to say, because I don't know how it works in Australia, but I was thinking if it's a public or a private limited company, I was assuming for by UK standards, it would have to be a private limited company. Uh, and to be honest, your answer was so good, Joe. I, I don't want to disagree with that. But I was going to say, I was going to say it, maybe it would have to be like no more than 25% if the other uh, shareholder was a brewery. Do you know what I mean? Maybe, maybe, but onto your point though, maybe it's that you are just the biggest shareholder out of the group of people who also own shares. So maybe it's like you could have a 25% stake if everyone else has a smaller stake underneath that. Before I actually give you that percentage, I also want to ask you how many litres of alcohol do you think? There's actually a limit on how much litres of alcohol the company can produce. Oh, so this isn't just like an ownership question. This is also like a scale thing. So how much do you actually produce of it? In millions, by the way, just to let you know. Okay, we're not in hectolitres then. Millions of litres. We're in millions. In litres. Uh, I'd say 100 million litres a year annually. Okay. Interesting. Barbs? 250. Okay. Um, so uh, the Don't Independent <laughs> Brewers Association has said, based in Australia, so aggregate beer sales are less than 40 million litres per calendar year. And also only 20% of your company can be owned externally. Oh. oh, okay. So you actually have to have 80% of it. Well, that's a really high margins, actually. So they are really targeting this towards small because of the percentages that you can get out there. Uh, sorry, the, the amount that you're putting out there, but also as well, the ownership side, they're on an early stage of their like brewing life cycle, yeah. let's say. You know, so you're they're basically talking about startups. Maybe they've been their, their, their early rounds of funding, let's say. Uh, last year, 600 new independent brewers were introduced into Australia. They want to, by 2025, have 85% linked with them. And the idea is that you can put on your can and it's like, it's like do you know how you have on the back little seal it, like, a little logo. Se- and it's basically a beer it's a beer that says proudly independent 
essentially. So my question, I guess, to you guys is, do you think there is a trend at the moment of, because we've obviously gone through the whole, there's big macro breweries, we know, we've talked about them a lot in the past, like AB and Bev and Co. And you've got then obviously the small entrepreneurs starting out and starting their own breweries. And we know for a fact that you can be a home brewer just by starting up and selling a couple of beers to, you know, your mates down the, you know, you get a pub to license you and then that's enough. You can then be a brewer. It definitely feels like this independent stamp is angled towards those people who are just starting out or are staying. Maybe they've been around for a while, but they're staying at a small volume. I mean, 40 million is still a lot. 40 million liters is still a decent amount. It is, it is. But do you think that that's like, is that a good thing that you want? If you saw this independent brewer on the le- like stamp or seal on a on a brewery that you don't know, are you going to give that a go? When I see that, I'm like, oh, that's kind of, I wanted, I almost, almost makes me want to support it. So it's like, do you know when you go down mm-hmm. the, uh, if you go down the high street and you see an independent coffee shop, I'm almost like, actually, I want to support that because they're doing it by themselves. They're not trying to like earn off okay. a big company. And I, so... I'd like to hear the other side of that. Does it make you feel like you're buying local? Yes. I mm-hmm. Well, I in the nicest possible way, I would say if it makes you feel like that, great. But it doesn't, doesn't guarantee it. Same as at the same time, it doesn't guarantee the quality of it. Um, you Hopefully, you'll get the, the suggestion of... Uh, you'll be able to find out if it's local and you'll be able to find out if it's any good by, by word of mouth. Um, so, I mean, to be honest, <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Hearing the information of what the independent brewery actually means is probably quite good <laughs> instead of just looking at the label, you know. So I think I've set you both up for this and you've both nailed this in what I was hoping the roles you'd play. Simo thinking, okay, buy local. It's about supporting the local community. Very valid, very core thing. But Barbara then countering that with the, the fallacy of buying local. It doesn't guarantee quality. You know, just because you're buying local, why would it you naturally assume that it's better than a product that you can get elsewhere? But the point being is that you're buying local for different reasons other than quality. If I see that tab, I don't instantly, I would say that I'm quite cynical as and I'd be like, no, it doesn't necessarily mean it's any good, but I would be interested to taste it because I think, well, it's a local, like it's something that's brewed mm-hmm. here, it's something that, and I would like, I'm intrigued to try it. And I think the mm-hmm. idea that because you have that link of, oh, I'm nearby or it's a local, or it's a small company trying its hardest, you'd be like, I'll give it a go. And that gives it a chance to spread out. I would actually like to know what's your view on it. Like the th- idea of having a tag on your beer. Or seal. A seal. They call it a seal. Sorry, they call it a seal. The seal of approval. <laughs> seal of approval. Um, sorry. <laughs> so I think we're falling into two categories here. I think if you're a small brewer starting out or you've been around for a little while but you've got a certain traction you meet these criteria that could be a nice accreditation we're talking about accrediting your beer or crediting your beer with something else that gives it an extra reason for being you know the reason why consumers would look at it and say oh that's why i'm going to buy this beer is because of this extra thing problem is in my opinion is it's very easy for people to start out and accredit like and be a company who accredits things and all you need basically is to start getting enough people to believe that you are which isn't an easy task i'm i'm, I'm glossing over a little bit but like let's say you look at like sustainability for example there are so many different accreditations that you can go and get in sustain in this the big world of sustainability that it's very difficult to understand well, what actually has like real pulling power you know uh, if you're B Corp for example does that mean you're better than a company that isn't B Corp in this world 
if you're, you know, you, you don't test on animals in the product, in the, in the beauty world, does that mean you're better than blah, blah? Arguably, a lot of people would say absolutely. But does that mean that you're, it's better that you're carbon neutral? Or not. So I just feel like it's, you know, it, there's all these different kind of things that you can be accredited for. Of course, when it comes to beer, there's plenty. You know, we've got in the UK, you've got Camera, you know, the, the campaign for real ale. You can be accredited by Camera, but, you know, that, is that international? Probably not. So it seems like Camera is, the, is, is a version of the Australian independent brewers uh, accreditation. Brewdog surely right don't fall into the category absolutely because not. they make more than forty million liters a year yeah which means they can't they are proudly independent and they don't need to tell anyone they are but yeah they wouldn't be able to get this label which is really intriguing because they are so proudly independent well that's it I mean it's it's also seemed like that's maybe a huge set, like breaking like you know they should change their criteria they've obviously got an agenda about what they want the kind of brewers they want to go for to have this independent brewers sounds like it should be sounds like it should be the small independent brewers maybe yeah thing mm. which let's face it doesn't sound as good <laughs> but it's more accurate <laughs> i was just thinking though guys can we can we um before we move on to talking about um whatever it is we're talking about um <laughs> can nice. we can we maybe st- should we maybe start out like we just we'll start one? I mean, it would just be called the "I'll try that" thumbs up. <laughs> for, for, but the thing is, what we'll have to do is we'll have to not give one out for like ages until we actually become quite popular, and then and then all and then we'll get get it so all the breweries are like, oh, we want to be the first to get the "I'll try that" thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> almost like yeah. almost like the emperor in in, in Romans or gladiator. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Holding their thumb up, up over or up and down the, the gradual turn, they go, "Yeah, it's a good beer." <laughs> no, 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 yeah, but you, you if we can just get the down to asking. kill to kill the gladiators. <laughs> yeah, get rid of the beer. I think what we need to do is to get it to a point. We need to build up the hyper te- the, the tension so much yeah. by the listeners where they're going to breweries and saying, "So you don't, you're not, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. an, you don't have an. I'll try that." Has, thumbs has, this, up. has this beer been thumbed up? Has it been- <laughs> I think we should probably fly into a bit of a pursuit of hoppiness right now. And whereabouts do you think we should fly for a pursuit of hoppiness well, about San Miguel? So, well, well, I'm glad you told about flying because San Miguel, I think of being a Spanish beer. I think of being Sp- Spain. I've only drunk. I, I first got introduced to San Miguel in Spain, si. so I think bueno. of it as a Spanish beer. So, um, I'm so glad that you've said that, Joseph. How you've fallen into you. the trap. You've fallen into my trap. I feel like I am the, not the Quizzler, the Riddler. Riddler. <laughs> San Miguel is actually a from the Philippines. What I wanted to do was just kind of investigate your history and uh, geography of the Philippines, boys. So I'm going to be really intrigued by what you know and don't know. First off the off the bat, um, which ocean do you think it's in? Let's go. I know, sir. I know, go. sir. Me, sir. Pick me, sir. Go, uh, Bob. Go. P- Pacific. Fantastic. It is the Pacific Ocean. And Joe, um, what is it southeast of? Which which area of the world? A Caribbean island. Uh, Asia. So it is off the coast. Of, <laughs> it is off the coast of Vietnam. And nearly. It is an, it is an archip- Is it? How do you say? It? Is it archipelago or archipelago? Yeah, how of how yeah. many islands? It, I don't know, but it's. Oh, in, I think it's in the hundreds. I think it's got so many. It's in the. It's in the specific ocean. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go thousands. I think it's. Sorry, I'm going to do the whole. I actually work and travel. I think it's it's less than ten thousand. I don't know how many thousands. Half a dozen. Say six. 
Six thousand. Joe, what about you? I bet a thousand. Okay, so it's seven thousand islands. Yes. Do you think it is larger or smaller than the United Kingdom, like the landmass? Smaller. Uh, I think it's an, a, a close run thing and I'm going to go larger because Joe's gone smaller. It is 23% larger than the United Kingdom. And what do you think in population <laughs> nice. of, yeah. of millions, what do you think its population is? I reckon we're talking under five. 100, 150,000 million. <laughs> 150 million. <laughs> Barbs, go. Barbs, go. Uh, oh, I think it's going to be less than... Now Joe, Joe's making me think it's more. So I'm going to say on. it's like... I'm going to say 10. Let's say 10. It's 109.6 million people in that tiny area, which is crazy. Get, get out of town. Um, also, does anybody know the capital of uh, the Philippines? Me, me, me. I know, sir. Go, go, go. Well, it was where the big boxing match happened, right? So what's the name? The Thriller in Manila. Manila, beautiful. And Joe, you are completely right to say that you should get Spanish vibes off it because the Philippines uh, is named after Philip II, who was the king of Spain, my man, and it was a colonisation. So there you go, in the 16th century. So I just thought, there you go. In recent years, who owns or has real swaying power over the Philippines? Oh, Joe, I don't know. Um, oh, it's not. The US. It's not. Oh, okay, yeah. It's, it's not Michael Barrymore, is it? So <laughs> the Philippines is technically classed nowadays as part of the US or the American empire. Not that they have empires, of course. We're not saying they do because they're so anti-empires, but it's technically classed as the the philippines fits into the u.s sphere of influence they have military bases there there's a lot of popular culture that's based there there's a lot of and actually the, the philippines I, I, one fact i do know and actually goes back to your boxing point about manny pacquiao who is the most famous philippine boxer that's come out in recent history and a lot of the the women from the philippines go to the u.s to earn the money and then send it back to the men and the children in the Philippines. So it's kind of the role reverse that you'd expect for like other countries where the men would go off to different countries and send the money back. It's actually women who go over to the, the US, blah, blah, blah. So Manny Pacquiao was seen as, you know, kind of in this kind of society where men, uh, you know, were kind of seen as like, kind of like, look like the homeowners, they were the, the, the looking after the children, that Manny Pacquiao was coming up and literally fighting people and beating people up with, their, with his fists because he's a boxer, you know, and giving men back their power. Beating people with his fists. <laughs> so, um, talking about power, talking about power, mm. um, I'd like to ask you a question of, um, have you ever heard of the monkey-eating eagle? Well, no. well. <laughs> I can honestly say I've never heard well, of the monkey-eating well, eagle. Well, guys, you're going to learn something new today. I tell you that I do. I mean, that, so, that was the a great Philippine weekend, eagle, The Philippine eagle, known as is the national bird of the Philippines called the monkey-eating eagle, which doesn't weirdly eat monkeys, um, but its prey, <laughs> its prey usually is pigs, snakes, and bats. That has a wingspan. Wow, this, this is a real. This is a genuine thing. It has a wingspan of uh, two meters. Bloody huge thing, right? Now it is one of the wor- It is one of the rarest birds. It is one of the rarest birds in the world and most powerful birds in the world. Now, if you kill one, like death, you get killed. <laughs> the, the, the Philippine government will be like, you killed our, our, our national bird. How many years in prison do you get? No, they kill you. You never make so, it the so whole Joe length of the, of the term. Joe thinks you don't survive. Barbs, what do you think? <laughs> 50. Uh, you get 12 years in prison for killing this bird. That's more sensible. Yeah. yeah. But thing is, I'm always thinking, because obviously they have an American influence, like a heavily influence, and if you were to, God forbid, kill a bald eagle... 
I think the American populace would rise up against you as an individual and and tear you asunder. I think this is bigger than so the bald eagle. Like this is two meters wingspan. That's insanity. That I'm, I'm so gonna, don't tell the I'm Americans gonna, that. You know there. they're going to breed a super bald eagle that's so much bigger than any other it bird. Is, it is legit world. worth mentioning. This thing eats. I really wish uh, we're not we're not swearers here. We don't like the effing and Jeffin. But this thing eats flipping pigs, <laughs> snakes, pigs. And bats. <laughs> Imagine that. Do you find? Do you want something to eat? Yeah, I'll just have a snack, like a, a bat or something. No, I'm a little bit hungrier today. I'll eat a pig. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty impressive. I'm guessing that it was the like that. I just feel sorry for it because it's like it's it's known as the monkey eating eagle. What a name. Anyway. <laughs> Let's get on to the beer, shall we? Well, I was going to say, can we actually circle this back to San Miguel? Yeah. Because so. we've fully exhausted our experience and knowledge of the Philippines. So, Barbara, talk for a second. I'm just, I'm, no, no, get away from me. But props. <laughs> that is great knowledge. That is, <laughs> that is the best. It doesn't, it's not really linked to what we're here to talk about. But I, I, I very much enjoyed hearing about the non-monkey but right. pig-eating eagle. <laughs> <laughs> don't understand how we got to that scenario, but I love it. Anyway, right, let me just give you some fact-fire key milestones of the San Miguel Company because we've, uh, we need to actually bring this back to the beer itself. So, San Miguel. Started in 1890, La Fabrica de Cerveza de San Miguel that was established on the Philippines. 1914, the first country that San Miguel was exported to. What country do you think that is? Vietnam. China. Correct, China. Oh. First country outside of the Philippines it was exported to. Which, if in my mind, given I thought it was in the Caribbean, I thought it would be the US. <laughs> but anyway, we digress. You're thinking of St. Vincent and the Grenadines, I, I, I believe, Joe. Who, or, who oh, also look at were me, a, oh. I, go, I work for travel. Yeah, uh, yeah. Let's, let's, en- enough of that out of you, pipe down. But also St. Vincent and the Grenadines, I thought, were a 1960s soul group. Um, so go on, <laughs> you were saying... So in 1927... Careful, careful snorting, you'll bring down the wrath of the eagle. <laughs> the pig-eating the pig eagle. Eating. Um, so 1927, we're still talking 1927, San Miguel became the first Coca-Cola distributor outside of the US. I mean, that is a claim to fame right there and then. It's huge. Uh, you know, they became the, the San Miguel Corporation in 1973, 63. In the 1990s, they threw a five-month party to celebrate becoming 100 years old. I mean, who else wouldn't want to celebrate for five months nice. that they became 100 years old? I mean, fair play. A bit of a nod to, to someone in that office when it's Coca-Cola. It's going to be big. <laughs> That's that's brilliant. The brewery itself is the largest producer of beer in the Philippines. Uh, And and they did a survey and it was like nine out of ten people drink our booze, which is pretty cool um, in in, in the Philippines. They also received a royal grant from the special king in 1963, which I thought was pretty cool. Who's the special king? (laughs) Did I say? I thought I said Spanish. Didn't I say Spanish? You said the special king. Well, he might have been very special. I don't know. He was cool. I liked him. Anyway. It must be. It so, must be tough being the one person out of that ten that don't doesn't drink the beer. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know what everyone's talking about. I have no idea. But also, um, what I found really interesting is the um, San Miguel Corporation. So the San Miguel Brewery, which is SMB, is is part of SMC, which is a San Miguel Corporation, which actually has. Um, is in food and beverage, fuel and oil, power and infrastructure of of the Philippines. So they're literally embedded, and they've actually said that they are twenty. They actually produce twenty percent of the power of the country of the Philippines, which is absolutely insane. Um, so the company that the brewery is part of is instrumental, 
legitimately part of the Philippines. And I just love that there's so much identity in this beer. I have to, you know, it's beer after all. Mm. The beer is, 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 is very much a European, you know, kind of export to the world from, from yesteryear. San Miguel is actually based on a German brewmaster's recipe. So it's a Philippine through and through. It's been always been produced in the Philippines to start off with from the, from the 1890s. But the German brewmaster is the guy who created San Miguel in the Philippines. It is, it is the beer mol- melting pot, isn't it? Now I'm thinking about it. Who else in the local region, now we're, now we're in, in that area, has also got, you know, European-influenced brewmasters, but making a local produced beer. I mean, you're thinking Singer, you're thinking Tiger Beer, you're thinking, you know, uh, there's all these great breweries who are based in the kind of in the, in the Southeast Asia, Asia Pacific area, who are, you know, using European influences, but making it with their own twist based on their specific local country. You look on the label, like there's the really clear, um, just lovely, lovely brown bottle. I don't know, I have a thing for brown bottles. And then you've got sort of green and gold. And then San Miguel is written in green, but the S and the M are in red. And you can you see there's almost like a sort of almost like a watermark on the label. And I looked at that since uh, 1890, but exploring the world. San Miguel's whole positioning in, in recent years has all been about how they are an international beer. And that, that sells. I mean, you can find San Miguel pretty much everywhere that you can think. Of. I mean, actually, has someone got any stats about how many countries San Miguel is actually sold in? One look that up. We'll find that. You associate Spain with, uh, with San Miguel with Spain. And Spain and the Philippines must almost be on opposite sides of the of, of the planet. Yeah, well, they're, well, Philipp- as Simon said, there, Philippines are the um, are a co- an ex colony of Spain. Yeah, but you're right in saying actually, you noticed something about there about the brown bottle. Now, brown bottles in beer are synonymous. That is kind of the quintessential of like a, of a beer bottle is brown. It helps with the uh, the protection of the liquid inside because it it stops um, light rays from affecting the beer as much when you've got a, a brown bottle over clear bottles, etc. Which is why we talked about Sol, not actually in the last episode, which so this will come afterwards. Sol is sold in multi-packs because it protects the liquid on the inside because they're a transparent bottle. I didn't mention that in the last one, but anyway. <laughs> brown. Now you know, listeners. But also brown is also an old school beer colour. So a lot of companies now, like Heineken, move to green. Green is a newer age colour for beer and beer bottles itself. I feel like almost like in, in TV and film, if there's something set in the in the past and people are drinking beer out of a, a bottle, it's always brown. So I think we talked about how many countries San Miguel is exported to. Simo, do you have the... It's 60 countries. So they go to 60 countries. So what I'm really intrigued by is the only San Miguel I could get in Australia was called a San Miguel Pale Pilsen. Okay. And the bottle that you've got is so different. Old school script, parchment script. Like medieval. Like, yeah, medieval kind of script. And it's red. And I've got red and black and gold. And it matches with the logo. And I think this is a, a flag of, or a crest of some sort that you don't have the crest. But it was about the same percentage, wasn't it? Because it was five as well. Because this one's five. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. So. I looked on their website and the beers that they have put on their website are the San Miguel Pilsen that I've got, the Old Malt Beer, the San Miguel Super Dry, the Cerveza Negra, the Red Horse Beer, San Miglite, San Miguel Flavoured Beer and the San Miguel Zero, Gold Eagle Beer and the Kirin Ichiban, which sounds very abstract from them. But I haven't seen your one. I haven't seen your one on their website. Isn't this San Miguel Especial? Yes, I have the San Miguel Especial. So that must be, that must be a European version of the san miguel yeah i wasn't expecting because you've got that what i call the modello style bottle that sort of like stubby one with a sort of kind of ribbed (laughs) 
like a ribbed neck. It's like fatter. That's for your yeah. pleasure. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a, it's kind of a bit, absolute, yeah. absolute horror show. <laughs> what would your wife should say? She'd say yes. So I would actually say this reminds me of uh, Tiger. It's a very full-bodied, yeah. very flavourful. Um, it's as in it. Yeah, it's not light. It's not light. Uh, yeah, on the on the basis of we just went from soul. This this is, this in comparison is 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 flavoursome. I would say bolder, maltier. I agree with you. I think even though it's a lager, it's a through and through lager. Um, it is. It's almost like it's. I don't know, like a brassy golden. Mm. Is that what I say? Like, yeah, you know, no, I'm, it, I'm fair to that. say. Yeah. You know, like this is this is not a light lager. This is a uh, you know, as close as you said, similar to a tiger. This is kind of a f- more full body. You've got a lot of flavour with this. It's actually quite sweet when you smell it, though. The aromas that you're getting there. So you're getting that malt sweetness, the yeasty sweetness coming through. But I'd say that you are getting a little bit of I don't know. Dare I say a bit of honey? With this lager, which is unusual for a lager, that it's got this kind of like maltiness, it's got this kind of like these aromas that are coming through with this kind of sweetness. So I'm getting a bit of honey out of this. I I, I think I like San Miguel, and it's again, you know, you guys, I mentioned in in the podcast before about how suggestible I am. I sometimes like, and you know, what, I used to be that sometimes after my Monday night football, we'd go to the pub, and a pub that we went to would have San Miguel on draft, and uh, when you get a pint of it. It's that very aesthetically satisfying glass with the stem and like a wide bottom <laughs> that I really like their pint glasses is pretty much what I was driving at. It's, it, it's premium with a bit of a kick. It's 5%. San Miguel from the Philippines, owned by the San Miguel Brewery Corporation, yet <laughs> exported to 60 countries and they have distribution and ownership rights in different countries. So I'm going to put it very close to home. In the UK... Oh, in the UK. Okay, it's actually Carlsberg. So Carlsberg took over full responsibility for San Miguel in the UK from November 2008. And they took over production, marketing, selling and distribution of the world beer brand into the UK. So I have to feel like that's a... You know, maybe this is... You know, they're 60 countries. Maybe they have sold the rights to San Miguel in quite a few different countries which makes more sense now Simo where you have a very different beer in Australia than we have here in the, in Australia, in the UK because it's no longer like a you know like an Anheuser-Busch where it's a it's a, a Budweiser which is sold the same across the globe local countries or countries I should say have different companies who are have the full rights to do whatever they want to do with the San Miguel brand name. and they've probably they've probably researched the idea of what's more sellable and especially and they've adapted it to local markets yeah so they've probably seen that this is going to sell better than the bottle you're actually right the, yeah. the, the in the uk you know having these you know you know this redesign with the big tall bottles down to the smaller bottles that barber has as well um you know you've got little stubbies and i guess in in this in, in australia maybe these are all local preferences that we're now picking up on legit instagram twi- twitter uh instagram San Miguel UK has 9,000 followers. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> and on Twitter, uh, sorry, San Miguel UK has 6,000 followers. Mm, yeah. Yeah, so nice. It's, it's, it's premium and it packs a punch. And that's all we have time for in this week's episode of the I'll Try That Podcast. And so from me, Joe, Rich, Barber, and Simo, goodbye. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, 
I'll try that podcast.com and watch us on YouTube. Goodbye now. <laughs>